16. And the tangent at any point having the company ordinates x and y measured from the vertex. Then 3. Tan i to y x let the length of half the parabolic chain be called s then 4. S x to y squared 3 x. The following is the approximate expression for the relation between a change delta s in the length of the half chain and the corresponding change delta y in the dip. S delta s x to 3 x y squared 2 y delta y delta y squared x to y squared 3 x 4 y delta y 3 x to delta y squared 3 x. Or, neglecting the last term. 5. Delta s 4 y delta y 3 x. And 6. Delta y 3 x delta s 4 y. From these equations the deflection produced by any given stress on the chains or by a change of temperature can be calculated. 36. Deflection of girders. Let figure 71 represent a beam bent by external loads. Let the origin O be taken at the lowest point of the bent beam. Then the deviation Y of the neutral axis of the bent beam at any point D from the axis OX is given by the relation D squared EN. DX squared EI where M is the bending moment and I the amount of inertia of the beam at D and E is the coefficient of elasticity. It is usually accurate enough in deflection calculations to take for I the moment of inertia at the center of the beam and to consider it constant for the length of the beam. Then D1 integral and DX DX EI1 Y integral integral and DX squared. EI the integration can be performed when M is expressed in terms of X thus for a beam supported at the ends and loaded with W per inch length MWO squared X squared. Where is the half span? Then the deflection at the center is the value of Y for X A and is 5 Y for delta. 24 EI the radius of curvature of the beam at D is given by the relation REIN 37. Graphic method of finding deflection. Divide the span L into any convenient number N of equal parts of length L so that NLL, compute the radii of curvature R1, R2, R3 for the several sections. Let measurements along the beam be represented according to any convenient scale. So that calling L1 and L1 the lengths to be drawn on paper. We have LL1, now let R1, R2. R3 be a series of radii such that R1 R1 ab, R2 R2 ab, and C, where B is any convenient constant chosen of such magnitude as will allow arcs with the radii, R1, R2, and C, to be drawn with the means at the draftsman's disposal. Draw a curve as shown in figure 72 with arcs of the length L1, L2, L3, and C, and with the radii R1, R2, and C. Note. For a length 1 to a liter 1 at each end the radius will be infinite, and the curve must end with a straight line tangent to the last arc. Then let V be the measured deflection of this curve from the straight line, and V the actual deflection of the bridge, we have BAVB approximately. This method distorts the curve, so that vertical ordinates of the curve are drawn to a scale B times greater than that of the horizontal ordinates. Thus if the horizontal scale be one tenth of an inch to the foot, a 120, and a beam 100 feet in length would be drawn equal to 10 inches, then if the true radius at the center were 10.000 feet this radius, if the curve were undistorted, would be on paper 1000 inches but making B50 we can draw the curve with a radius of 20 in. The vertical distortion of the curve must not be so great that there is a very sensible difference between the length of the arc and its chord. This can be regulated by altering the value of B in figure 72 distortion is carried too far. This figure is nearly used as an illustration. 38. Camber. In order that a girder may become straight under its working load it should be constructed with a camber or upward convexity equal to the calculated deflection. Owing to the yielding of joints when a beam is first loaded a smaller modulus of elasticity should be taken in for a solid bar. 
for riveted girders E is about area code 1750000 pounds per square inches for first loading. WJM Ronkin gives the approximate rule working deflection delta L squared 10.000 H dot where L is the span and H the depth of the beam. The stresses being those usual in bridge work, due to the total dead and live load. WCU for the ancient bridges in Rhone see further Rhone, archaeology, and such works as are Lanciani. Ruins and Excavations of Ancient Rome Eng. Trans. 1897. Pages 16 Fall. Bridget. Saint. More properly B-R-I-G-I-D-C 452-523. One of the patron saints of Ireland. Was born at Thawart in County Louth. Her father being a prince of Ulster. Refusing to marry. She chose a life of seclusion. Making her cell. The first in Ireland. Under a large oak tree. Once the place was called Kildara. The Church of the Oak. The city of Kildare is supposed to derive its name from Street Bridget's cell. The year of her death is generally placed in 523. She was buried at Kildare, but her remains were afterwards translated to Downpatrick, where they were laid beside the bodies of St. Patrick and St. Columba. Her feast is celebrated on the 1st of February. A large collection of miraculous stories clustered round her name, and her reputation was not confined to Ireland, for, under the name of St. Bride, she became a favorite saint in England, and numerous churches were dedicated to her in Scotland. See the five lives given in the Bollandistacta Sanctrum. February 1st. I-99. 119. 950. C.F. Whitley Stokes. Three Midlirish homilies on the lives of St. Patrick, Bridget and Columba Calcutta. 1874. Colgan. Acta S.S. Hibernia. Dio Lives of Irish Saints. Volume I. Nulls. Life of St. Bridget 1907. Further bibliography in Ulysses Chevalier. Repertoire de sources hist. Bio. Babel. Second Education Paris. 1905. S. V. Bridget. B. R. I. G. I. D. D. A. B. I. R. G. I. D. D. A. Of Sweden. St. C. 1402-1473. The most celebrated saint of the Northern Kingdoms. Was the daughter of Burger Persson. Governor and Lagman Provincial Judge of Upland and one of the richest landowners of the country. In 1316 she was married to Alf Dugmarsson, Lord of Marisha, to whom she bore eight children, one of whom was V.04P.0557 afterwards honored as St. Catherine of Sweden. Bridget's saintly and charitable life soon made her known far and wide, she gained, too, great religious influence over her husband, with whom 1341-1343 she went on pilgrimage to St. James of Compostela. In 1344, shortly after their return, Wolf died in the Cistercian Monastery of Elvestra in East Gothland, and Bridget now devoted herself wholly to a religion. As a child she had already believed herself to have visions, these now became more frequent, and her records of these revelations, which were translated into a Latin by Matthias, canon of Lincoeping, and by her confessor, Peter, prior of Elvestra, obtained a great vogue during the Middle Ages. It was about this time that she founded the Order of St. Saviour, or Brigidine's Cuvie of which the principal house, at Vadstena, was richly endowed by King Magnus I.I., and his queen. About 1450 she went to Rome, partly to obtain from the Pope the authorization of the new order, partly in pursuance of her self-imposed mission to elevate the moral tone of the age. It was not till 1470 that Pope Urban V. confirmed the rule of her order, but meanwhile Bridget had made herself universally beloved in Rome by her kindness and good works, save for occasional pilgrimages. 
including one to Jerusalem in 1373. She remained in Rome till her death on the 23rd of July 1373. She was canonized in 1391 by Pope Boniface IX, and her feast is celebrated on the 9th of October. Bibliography. CF. The Bollandistacta Sanctorum. October 8th. If. 368-560. The Vita Sancti Brigidi. Edited by C. Understep in Scriptores Reerance Vedicara Mediae V. Eiat. 185-244. Uppsala. 1871. The best modern work on the subject is by the Comtesse Catherine de Flavigny, entitled Saint Bridget de Suede, Savai, Southeast's Revelations et Son over Paris, 1892, which contains an exhaustive bibliography. The revelations are contained in the critical edition of Street Bridget's works published by the Swedish Historical Society and edited by G. E. Clemming Stockholm, 1857-1884. I.I. Volumes. For full bibliography to 1904 C. Ulysse Chevalier, Repertoire de Sources Hist. Bio. Dable. S.B. Bridget. Bridgeton. A city. Port of entry. And the county seat of Cumberland County. New Jersey. USA in the south part of the state. On Cohansey Creek. 38 meters S of Philadelphia. Pop. 1890 11.424. 1913.913 of whom 653 were foreign-born and 701 were Negroes, 1905-14.624, It is served by the West Jersey and Seashore and the Central of New Jersey Railways, by electric railways connecting with adjacent towns, and by Delaware River steamboats on Cohansey Creek, which is navigable to this point. It is an attractive residential city, has a park of 650 acres and a fine public library and is the seat of West Jersey Academy and of I.D. Hall, a school for girls. It is an important market town and distributing center for a rich agricultural region. Among its manufactures are glass the product, chiefly glass bottles, being valued in 1905 at 1.252.795.42.3 of the value of all the city's factory products and bridged in ranking 8th among the cities of the United States in this industry. Machinery. Clothing and canned fruits and vegetables, it also has dyeing and finishing works. Though Bridgeton is a port of entry, its foreign commerce is relatively unimportant. The first settlement in what is now Bridgeton was made toward the close of the 18th century. A pioneer iron works was established here in 1814. The city of Bridgeton, formed by the union of the township of Bridgeton and the township of Cohansey incorporated in 1845 and 1848 respectively, was chartered in 1864. B.R.I.D.G.D.D. Thomas Edward 1829-1899, Roman Catholic priest and historical writer, was born at Derby on the 20th of January 1829. He was brought up a Baptist, but in his 16th year joined the Church of England. In 1847 he entered Street John's College, Cambridge, with the intention of taking orders, being unable to subscribe to the 39 articles he could not take his degree and in 1850 became a Roman Catholic, soon afterwards joining the Congregation of the Redemptorists. He went through his novitiate at St. Trond in Belgium, and after a course of five years of theological study at Wittem, in Holland, was ordained priest. He returned to England in 1856, and for over 40 years led an active life as a missioner in England and Ireland, preaching in over 80 missions and 140 retreats to the clergy and to nuns. His stay in Limerick was particularly successful, and he founded a religious confraternity of laymen which numbered 5,000 members. 
despite his arduous life as a priest, Bridget found time to produce literary works of value, chiefly dealing with the history of the Reformation in England, among these are the life of Blessed John Fisher, Bishop of Rochester 1888, the life and writings of Sir Thomas More 1890, History of the Eucharist in Great Britain 2 volumes, 1881, Our Lady's Dowry 1875, Third Education 1890. He died at Clapham on the 17th of February 1899. For a complete list of Bridget's works see The Life of Father Bridget. My C. Rider London. 1906. B.R.I.D.G.W.A.D.E.R. Francis E.G.R.D.O.N. Third Duke of 1736-1803. The originator of British Inland Navigation. Younger son of the first Duke. Was born on the 21st of May 1736. Scroop. First Duke of Bridgewater 1681-1745, was the son of the third Earl of Bridgewater, and was created a Duke in 1720, he was the great-grandson of John Egerton, First Earl of Bridgewater d. 1649, CR, 1617, whose name is associated with the production of Milton's Comus, and the latter was the son of Sir Thomas Egerton 1540-1617, Queen Elizabeth's Lord Keeper and James I. Single quote as Lord Chancellor who was created Baron of Ellesmere in 1603, and in 1616 Viscount Brackley Q.V. Francis Egerton succeeded to the dukedom at the age of 12 on the death of his brother, the second duke. As a child he was sickly and of such unpromising intellectual capacity that at one time the idea of cutting the entail was seriously entertained. Shortly after attaining his majority he became engaged to the beautiful Duchess of Hamilton, but her refusal to give up the acquaintance of her sister, Lady Coventry, led to the breaking off of the match. Thereupon the Duke broke up his London establishment, and retiring to his estate at Worsley, devoted himself to the making of canals, the navigable canal from Worsley to Manchester which he projected for the transport of the coal obtained on his estates was with the exception of the Sankey Canal the first great undertaking of the kind executed in Great Britain in modern times. The construction of this remarkable work, with its famous aqueduct across the Irwell, was carried out by James Brindley the celebrated engineer. The completion of this canal led the Duke to undertake a still more ambitious work. In 1762 he obtained parliamentary powers to provide an improved waterway between Liverpool and Manchester by means of a canal. The difficulties encountered in the execution of the latter work were still more formidable than those of the Worsley Canal, involving, as they did, the carrying of the canal over Sailmoor Moss. But the genius of Brindley, his engineer, proved superior to all obstacles and though at one period of the undertaking the financial resources of the Duke were almost exhausted, the work was carried to a triumphant conclusion. The untiring perseverance displayed by the Duke in surmounting the various difficulties that retarded the accomplishment of his projects, together with the pecuniary restrictions he imposed on himself in order to supply the necessary capital at one time he reduced his personal expenses to L400 a year affords an instructive example of that energy and self-denial on which the success of great undertakings so much depends. Both these canals were completed when the Duke was only 36 years of age, and the remainder of his life was spent in extending them and in improving his estates, and during the latter years of his life he derived a princely income from the success of his enterprise. Though a steady supporter of Pitt's administration, he never took any prominent part in politics. He died and married on the 8th of March 1803 when the ducal title became extinct, but the earldom of Bridgewater passed to a cousin, John William Egerton, who became seventh earl. By his will he devised his canals and estates on trust, under which his nephew, 
the Marquis of Stafford afterwards first Duke of Sutherland, became the first beneficiary, and next his son Francis Levison Bower afterwards first Earl of Ellesman ran his issue, in order that the trust should last as long as possible. An extraordinary use was made of the legal rule that property may be v.04p.0558 settled for the duration of lives in being and 21 years after, by choosing a great number of persons connected with the Duke and their living issue and adding to them the peers who had taken their seats in the House of Lords on or before the Duke's decease. Though the last of the peers died in 1857, one of the commoners survived till the 19th of October 1883 and consequently the trust did not expire till the 19th of October 1903, when the whole property passed under the undivided control of the Earl of Ellesmere. The canals, however, had in 1872 been transferred to the Bridgewater Navigation Company, by whom they were sold in 1887 to the Manchester Ship Canal Company, B.R.I.D.G.E.W.A. Dear, Francis Henry G. Ardeolan, 8th Earl of 1756-1829 was educated at Eton and Christ Church, Oxford, and became Fellow of All Souls in 1780, and F.R.S. in 1781. He held the rectories of Midlandwood Church in Shropshire, but the duties were performed by a proxy. He succeeded his brother C. above in the earldom in 1823, and spent the latter part of his life in Paris. He was a fair scholar, and a zealous naturalist and antiquarian. When he died in February 1829 the earldom became extinct. He bequeathed to the British Museum the valuable eager nemesis, dealing with the literature of France and Italy, and also L12.000. He also left L8000 at the disposal of the President of the Royal Society, to be paid to the author or authors who might be selected to write and publish 1,000 copies of a treatise on the power, wisdom and goodness of God, as manifested in the creation. Mr. Davies Gilbert, who then filled the office, selected eight persons each to undertake a branch of the subject, and each to receive L1000 as his reward, together with any benefit that might accrue from the sale of his work. According to the will of the testator, the Bridgewater treatises were published as follows, 1. The Adaptation of External Nature to the Moral and Intellectual Condition of Man, by Thomas Chalmers, D.D. 2. The Adaptation of External Nature to the Physical Condition of Man, by John Kidd, M.D. 3. Astronomy and General Physics Considered with Reference to Natural Theology, by William Wuell, D.D. 4, The Hand, Its Mechanism and Vital Endowments as Evincing Design, by Sir Charles Bell, 5, Animal and Vegetable Physiology Considered with Reference to Natural Theology, by Peter Mark Rodged, 6, Geology and Mineralogy Considered with Reference to Natural Theology, by William Buckland, D.D. 7, the Habits and Instincts of Animals with Reference to Natural Theology, by William Kirby, 8. Chemistry, Meteorology, and the Function of Digestion, Considered with Reference to Natural Theology, by William Prout, M.D. The works are of an equal merit, several of them took a high rank in apologetic literature. They first appeared during the years 1833 to 1840, and afterwards in Bone's Scientific Library, B.R.I.D.G.I.D.I.N.E.S. An order of Augustinian canonists is founded by St. Bridget of Sweden QVC 1450, and approved by Urban V in 1370. It was a double order, each convent having attached to it a small community of canons to act as chaplains, but under the government of the abbess, the order spread widely in Sweden and Norway, and played a remarkable part in promoting culture and literature in Scandinavia, to this is to be attributed the fact that the head house at Vestine, by late Petter, 
was not suppressed till 1595. There were houses also in other lands, so that the total number amounted to 80. In England, the famous bridge of the convent of Sion at Isleworth, Middlesex, was founded and royally endowed by Henry V in 1415, and became one of the richest and most fashionable and influential nunneries in the country. It was among the few religious houses restored in Mary's reign, when nearly 20 of the old community were re-established at Sion. On Elizabeth's accession they migrated to the Low Countries, and thence, after many vicissitudes, to Rouen, and finally in 1594 to Lisbon. Here they remained, always recruiting their numbers from England, till 1861, when they returned to England. Sion House is now established at Chudley in Devon, the only English community that can boast an unbroken conventual existence since pre-Reformation times. Some six of the Bridgeline convents exist on the continent, but the order is now composed only of women. C.P.O. Historia Disorders Religiosa 1715. If, C4, Max Heinducher, Orden U Congregati 1 and 1907, E.I. Seconds 83, Heshog Real Encyclopedia Education 3, Art, Bridget A. Hamilton in Dublin Review, 1888, The Nuns of Sion, E.C.B. Bridgman, Frederick Arthur 1847, American artist, was born at Tuskegee, Alabama, on the 10th of November 1847. He began as a draftsman in New York for the American Banknote Company in 1864-1865, and studied art in the same years at the Brooklyn Art School and at the National Academy of Design, but he went to Paris in 1866 and became a pupil of J.L. Jerome. Paris then became his headquarters. A trip to Egypt in 1873-1874 resulted in pictures of the East that attracted immediate attention, and his large and important composition. The funeral procession of a mummy on the Nile, in the Paris Salon 1877, bought by James Gordon Bennett, brought him the cross of the Legion of Honor. Other paintings by him were, an American circus in Normandy, procession of the Bullopis, now in the Corcoran Art Gallery, Washington, and a, Romanian lady, in the Temple Collection, Philadelphia, Bridgman, Laura D.E.W.E. 1829-1889, American Blind Death Mute was born on the 21st of December 1829 at Hanover, New Hampshire, USA being the third daughter of Daniel Bridgman D. 1868, a substantial Baptist farmer, and his wife Harmony, daughter of Cushman Downer, and granddaughter of Joseph Downer, one of the five first settlers 1761 of Thetford, Vermont. Laura was a delicate infant, honey and rickety, and was subject to fits up to 20 months old but otherwise seemed to have normal senses, at two years. However, she had a very bad attack of scarlet fever, which destroyed sight and hearing, blunted the sense of smell, and left her system a wreck. Though she gradually recovered health she remained a blind deaf mute, but was kindly treated and was in particular made a sort of playmate by an eccentric bachelor friend of the Bridgman's, Mr. Asateni, who as soon as she could walk used to take her for rambles afield. In 1837 Mr. James Barrett, of Dartmouth College, saw her and mentioned her case to Dr. Mussey, the head of the medical department, who wrote an account which attracted the attention of Dr. S. G. Howe the head of the Parkins Institution for the Blind at Boston. He determined to try to get the child into the institution and to attempt to educate her, her parents assent, and in October 1837 Laura entered the school, though the loss of her eyeballs occasioned some deformity. She was otherwise a comely child and of a sensitive and affectionate nature, 
she had become familiar with the world about her, and was imitative in so far as she could follow the actions of others, but she was limited in her communication with others to the narrower uses of touch patting her head meant approval, rubbing her hand disapproval, pushing one way meant to go, drawing another to come, her mother, preoccupied with housework, had already ceased to be able to control her, and her father's authority was due to fear of superior force, not to a reason. Dr. Howe at once set himself to teach her the alphabet by touch. It is impossible, for reasons of space, to describe his efforts in detail. He taught words before the individual letters, and his first experiment consisting in pasting upon several common articles such as geese, spoons, knives, and see little paper labels with the names of the articles printed in raised letters, which he got her to feel and differentiate, then he gave her the same labels by themselves, which she learned to associate with the articles they referred to, until, with the spoon or knife alone before her she could find the right label for each from a mixed heap. The next stage was to give her the component letters and teach her to combine them in the words she knew, and gradually in this way she learned all the alphabet and the ten digits, and see. The whole process depended, of course, on her having a human intelligence, which only required stimulation, and her own interest in learning became keener as she progressed. On the 24th of July 1839 she first wrote her own name legibly. Dr. Howe devoted himself with the utmost patience and assiduity to her education and was rewarded by increasing success. On the 20th of June 1840 she had her first arithmetic lesson by the aid of a metallic case perforated with square holes, square types being used, and in 19 days she could add a column of figures amounting to 30. She was in good health and happy, and was treated by Dr. Howe as his daughter. Her case already began to interest the public, and others were brought to Dr. Howe v.04p.0559 for treatment. In 1841 Laura began to keep a journal, in which she recorded her own day's work and thoughts. In January 1842 Charles Dickens visited the institution, and afterwards wrote enthusiastically in American Notes of Drive House success with Laura. In 1843 funds were obtained for devoting a special teacher to her, and first Miss Swift, then Miss White, and then Miss Paddock, were appointed. Laura by this time was learning geography and elementary astronomy. By degrees she was given religious instruction but Dr. Howe was intent upon not inculcating dogma before she had grasped the essential moral truths of Christianity and the story of the Bible. She grew up a gay, cheerful girl, loving, optimistic, but with a nervous system inclining to irritability, and requiring careful education and self-control. In 1860 her eldest sister Mary's death helped to bring on a religious crisis, and through the influence of some of her family she was received into the Baptist Church. She became for some years after this more self-conscious and rather pietistic. In 1867 she began writing compositions which she called poems, the best known is called, Holy Home. In 1872, Dr. Howe having been enabled to build some separate cottages each under a matron for the blind girls, Laura was moved from the larger house of the institution into one of them, and there she continued her quiet life. The death of Dr. Howe in 1876 was a great grief to her, but before he died he had made arrangements by which she would be financially provided for in her home at the institution for the rest of her life. In 1887 her jubilee was celebrated there, but in 1889 she was taken ill, and she died on the 24th of May. She was buried at Hanover. Her name has become familiar everywhere as an example of the education of a blind deaf mute.
leading to even greater results in Helen Keller. See Laura Bridgman, by Motow and Florence Howe Hall 1903, which contains a bibliography, and Life and Education of Laura Dewey Bridgman 1878, by Mary S. Lamson, H. Chapter B.R.I.D.G. and H. A Market Town and Municipal Borough in the Ludlow Parliamentary Division of Shropshire, England. 150 meters and W by W from London by the Great Western Railway. On the Worcester Shrewsbury Line. Pop. 1901-6052. The River Severn separates the upper town on the right bank from the lower on the left. A steep line of rail connects them. The upper town is built on the acclivities and summit of a rock which rises abruptly from the river to the height of 180 feet and gives the town a very picturesque appearance. The railway passes under by a long tunnel. On the summit is the tower of the old castle, leaning about 17 degrees from the perpendicular. There are also two parish churches. That of St. Leonard, formerly collegiate, was practically rebuilt in 1862. This parish was held by Richard Baxter, the famous divine. In 1640, St. Mary's Church is in classic style of the late 18th century. The picturesque half-timbered style of domestic building is frequently seen in the streets. In this style are the Town Hall 1652, and a house dated 1580, in which was born in 1729 Thomas Percy, Bishop of Dromer, the editor of the Relics of Ancient English Poetry. The Grammar School, founded in 1503, occupies an Elizabethan building, there are also a College of Divinity, a Blue Coat School, and a Literary Institute with Library and School of Art. There are large charities. Near the town is a curious ancient hermitage cave. In the sandstone, at Quadford, one meter southeast, the site of a castle dating from 1085 may be traced. This dominated the ancient forest of Morph. Here Robert de Bellisney originally founded the college which was afterwards moved to Bridge North. Bridge North manufactures carpets, brewing is carried on, and there is trade in agricultural produce. The town is governed by a mayor, four aldermen and twelve councillors. Area, 30-18 acres. The early history of Bridge North is connected with Edelfliga, Lady of the Mercians, who raised a mound there in 912 as part of her offensive policy against the Danes of the Five Burrows. After the conquest William I granted the manor of Bridge North to Earl Roger of Shrewsbury, whose son Robert de Bellisney transferred his castle and borough from Quadford to Bridge North. But on Robert's attainder in 1102 the town became a royal borough. It is probable that Henry I granted the Burgesses certain privileges. For Henry I.I. confirmed to them all the franchises and customs which they had in the time of Henry I. King John in 1215 granted them freedom from toll throughout England except the city of London, and in 1227 Henry I.I.I. conferred several new rights and liberties, among which were a guild merchant with a hands. These early charters were confirmed by several succeeding kings, Henry I. granting in addition a size of bread and ale and other privileges. Bridge North was incorporated by James I in 1546. The Burgesses returned to members to Parliament in 1295, and continued to do so until 1867, when they were assigned only one member. The town was disfranchised in 1885. A yearly fair on the Feast of the Translation of St. Leonard and three following days was granted to the Burgesses in 1359 and in 1630 Charles I granted them license to hold another fair on the Thursday before the first week in Lent and two following days. B.R.I.D.G.W.A. Dear, a market town, port and municipal borough in the Bridgewater Parliamentary Division of Somerset, England, on the River Parrot, 10 meters from its mouth, 
and 15.13.4 meters by the Great Western Railway WBS of London. Pop. 1901.15.209. It is pleasantly situated in a level and well-wooded country, having on the east the Mendite Range and on the west the Quantock Hills. The town lies along both sides of the river, here crossed by a handsome iron bridge. Among several places of worship the chief is St. Mary Magdalene's Church, this has a north porch and windows dating from the 14th century, besides a lofty and slender spire, but it has been much altered by restoration, it possesses a fine painted reredos, a house in Blake Street, largely restored, was the birthplace of Admiral Blake in 1598, near the town are the three fine old churches of Weston's Island, Chedzoe and Midlazoe containing some good brasses and carved woodwork. The battlefield of Sedgemoor, where the Monmouth Rebellion was finally crushed in 1685, is within three meters, while not far off is Charlinch. The home of the Agapemonites QV Brinkwater has a considerable coasting trade, importing grain, coal, wine, hemp, tallow and timber, and exporting bath brick, farm produce, earthenware, cement and plaster of Paris. The river is navigable by vessels of 700 tons, though liable, when spring tides are flowing, to a bore which rises, in rough weather, to a height of 9 feet bath brick, manufactured only here, and made of the mingled sand and clay deposited by every tide, is the staple article of commerce, iron founding is also carried on. The town is governed by a mayor, 6 aldermen and 18 councillors, area, 926 acres. A settlement probably grew up in Saxon times at Brigwater Briggs, Brigwaltery, Bridgewater, allowing its origin as a trade center to its position at the mouth of the chief river in Somerset. It became a Messenborough by the charter granted by John in 1201, which provided that the town should be a free borough, the burgesses to be free and quit of all tolls, and made William the Brewer overlord. Other charters were GR, 1602-1606.